Diane, playing a podcast Black Lodge Trivia Night. All right, uh, welcome back to Black Lodge Trivia's uh, One Shots. We're finally going to take a stab at finishing up uh, Cyberpunk CBR PNK. Um, we're uh, yeah, we're we're down to Patrick again. Um, he knows what he did, and um, so we're gonna take the opportunity to give this one last shot. And I Shit feel talk Patrick. Oh yeah, play Cyberpunk. Yep. Yeah, uh, I just want to say really quickly, I, I feel a little guilty. Uh, we've let just enough time go by that everything that I sort of started to absorb from the first session is gone. So I'll probably be overly confused again. So I apologize to the cabinet of curiosities or um, uh, I think it was uh, Mr. Mello uh, who created But hey, game. if you want to like find out what we did last time and find out what the rules are, you can check out <laughs> episode one. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's on the YouTube stream. It's on the podcast stream. Uh, I think we had a really good time. And yeah. Um, but before I go into the recap, I think we need to take care of one other order of business. And that is the Black Lodge trivia. That is the real reason why everybody probably comes to this. That's right. Twin Peaks time. Okay. So I don't know how much of a question this is, but I'll see how it goes. Um, sure. In season two, episode seven. I believe that is when Twin Peaks reveals who the killer of Laura Palmer is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's around the 14th episode because the first season is only like seven or eight episodes. Anyway. Uh, so that's when they reveal the answer to the big fueling mystery of the show. What episode did David Lynch want to reveal the killer in? I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say one. I know like in the UK, that's when it was revealed right in the, in the pilot. But I, I, I'm going to say that wasn't it. I'm going to say like episode 10 or something like that. Just like something longer than episode or season two, episode 10. Like, because around that point of season two, I'm assuming that viewership was like this for season one. And then you have the downward turn of season two before it kind of, so I'm going to say like later, I don't know, season two, episode 10. All right. Uh, final answer. Yeah. Final answer. My other option, my backup guess would be season two, episode one, but I, I feel better with season two, episode 10 for some reason. Okay. So there may have been different discussions at different points, but at one point, and this is, I think at one point we were talking about how David Lynch and ABC sort of butted heads a little bit. Uh, at one point, the answer was David Lynch never wanted to reveal the killer. I think I've heard that before. Okay. Yeah. He was like, it's not important who killed Laura Palmer, which everybody's like, time out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> um, but he was like, but the, and he was correct about this part. The instant you reveal that any momentum the show has any, you know, the thing that keeps people wanting to find out more is gone. Yep. Um, and ABC is like, I hear you, but at some point you need to. And I mean, that's just classic, you know, murder mystery storytelling you got to give him an answer at some point. Mm. Um, so I, I sort of see both sides. Um, but yeah, my understanding is at one point the answer was never. Um, which is why sometimes I wondered like how much did he actually figure out of who did what and when he decided those things. If for part of his thinking, he was like, it doesn't matter who killed her or I don't want to tell people who killed her. 
So how does the pilot, the UK pilot factor into that then? Well, my understanding is the UK pilot sort of gives you, Bob is a real person that lives above a gas station and he's just like, my memory is very hazy. My memory is a little bit of a drifter kind of person and he killed Laura Palmer. The, the Bob. And spoilers folks for a 30 year old show, by the way. Right. <laughs> right. Um, wait till I tell you about Vader. Um, <laughs> or Rosebud. But, um, yeah. So like, but my understanding was that, um, it, it's, it's Bob, but Bob isn't a metaphor or a incarnation of something the way he is in the show. So I would, I, gotcha. I was never quite sure, you know, given the other answer of potentially never what that meant overall. Yeah. Because if it's, if it's Bob, the thing that possesses Laura's killer, right. Then you can do never. And, right. and, and, and still presented in the UK. Right. That here's the killer, but what this killer isn't a real person. But if the, the counterpoint to that is Bob lives above this gas station and Bob is a drifter who kills Laura Palmer and maybe isn't even a real person, but then that's, that's different than, mm -hmm. well, and I guess maybe that does go hand in hand with the killer doesn't matter. Like it's just a drifter. Right. But uh, so I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. I got to say, um, just to fangirl out a little bit, the idea of Bob as an incarnation of this thing that then possesses the <laughs> on paper uh, sounds like a hot mess. Um, yeah. But I got to say the way it comes, because, you know, I don't, Lynch is not known for being like a, you know, I'm going to think five seasons ahead. He's very, you know, seat of his pants, happy accidents, you know, seeing a mm. set dresser in a mirror and suddenly that changes the whole course mm -hmm. of the show. Um the way it all comes together, the way he sort of gives its its origin story in the return, um, mm -hmm. with the, um, is stunning uh, for my personal taste. Well, when I mean that's I agree. I I think the mystical elements get a little weird in season two, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. especially with um, and spoiler alert yeah. for Patrick for the only person who hasn't seen all of it. Uh, when Josie gets stuck in the doorknob, right? <laughs> right, like, right. It it jumps it jumps the shark a little bit, but then boy, do they pick it up yes. when you really start diving into the black lot, like the lodge lore. Yes, just gets so good in season two, and then ultimately you're left with this amazing. You you get more and more of the lodge, and then you're left with this ending, and then you're left waiting for 25 years, or or in my case, <laughs> it was only like five years, or yeah, uh, I guess it was a little longer than that from when I first watched it, but. Yeah, it really picks up in that lore when when the mystical stuff gets a little bit odd, and then boy, it gets it gets real good. Yes, yeah, I I gotta watch, I gotta watch that again. And yeah, and then and then you throw the return stuff on top of it, right? Which just like a whole new element, right? And, and I feel like you know, I, I wonder if people didn't know what to make of um, what the hell, um, fire walk with me. You know, the the, the oh, half yeah. of Laura Palmer, you know, you can, you can um, sort of see how that fits together. But the part that isn't is that Black Lodge lore. It's the sort of a lot of, you know, the beginning of what the return becomes. I need to rewatch Firewalk with me. I, you know, I've only seen the return once, but yeah. more importantly, I've only seen Firewalk with me once, which is, which is a real shame because that's not the undertaking of 
but maybe when i finish my rewatch of of og twin peaks i'll do the whole thing and that's that's the thing i need to rewatch literally all of it and then yeah we need to uh palmer daddy's uh <laughs> palmer daddy's <laughs> or uh whatever twin peaks minute yeah something um so there you go. That's a little bit of Twin Peaks trivia. So if we did just just Firewalk with me mm-hmm. is I was gonna see what its runtime was. Two I'm, hours and fifteen minutes. I was about to say I'm willing to bet it's a pretty you know normal Gosh, movie. That's, when did that come out? I mean that's that's a uh nineteen ninety two is when Firewalk with me came out. I mean that's a that's a pretty hmm. lengthy movie, it seems like, but so that's uh, 145 episodes of just Firewalk with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yes, I mean, content, baby. I <laughs> I obviously I would be up for doing a um, a rewatch. I don't know if people um are gonna listen. Does it matter? I mean, I, that's the thing. Like, like honestly, who cares? Uh, that's right. we don't do like, this. Do we enjoy it exactly. You know, there's. Uh, it's one of those stupid things where like people say like, you know, how do you grow your YouTube channel and all that kind of crap. And then in the end, it's always just like, just make shit that you like. And then who cares? Because honestly, you know, growing your YouTube, like so few people knock it out of the park that just do it because you love it. Um, Right. Yeah. So, and we definitely love this and we love Twin Peaks role-playing. So I guess we sort of hit something. We have that going for us. Yeah, and we're also, again, as we pointed out a number of times, we're very unique because we're straight white males in middle age <laughs> on a podcast. So, I mean, I feel like that's an untapped market. With average experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, real quick, uh, do you need any information to get into the game? Where were we even playing the game at? We were playing in Foundry. Um, okay. Did I... I don't know if I, I was just trying to figure out, like, there's a way to do an invitation links in game. How did I have this before? I completely forgot that we actually had it up in Foundry. Um, and I don't want to reveal my IP address. That's the trick. Um, um so I'm trying to figure out. You're not sharing your screen yet. So why don't you oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. post it in Discord? I'm right. Okay. Yeah. That's... Don't say your IP address out loud. <laughs> okay. So you're not going to believe it, <laughs> but it's 555. <laughs> uh, okay didn't realize i wasn't sharing my screen yet so that's good i'm gonna put it in discord sure um i'm gonna put it in the public general channel that goes out to twitter perfect and i'm Love gonna to start sharing it. my screen uh, i assume my password is what it usually is should be yeah but let me know if there's any issues uh let's see application window i want uh hmm, maybe it's not this is the content you came for, folks. You know, if we do, uh, if we did um, Riverdale minute, then mm, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have these technical difficulties. That's true. Yeah, sorry, I completely forgot. We actually, because when we did uh, Space Between the Stars, yeah, Long Dark Space Between the Stars, we did not. <laughs> so let me now that I am sharing. Uh, well, it's just my Foundry password. I mean, it's just a login in the game, so you can say that out loud. Isn't it? Uh, no, I think I did it different from... Um, oh, I got it. I don't yeah. know what it is, but I have it saved in my password keeper, so whatever nice. I'm in. so we're in. All right, great. 
Um, cool. Okay. Uh, so we'll get the game back up and running. We'll get that. Get so you told me something interesting today while this loads up that there is a, let me do a refresh. I don't see the screen yet. Um, alchemy. Yes. Uh, uh sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Alchemy. Yeah. Supposedly I, I was sort of jumping around, um, I think cyberpunk was having a Kickstarter of some kind. Oh, nice. Uh, I think for physical copies, you can buy, you know, we'll have all the links and whatever in, in the whatever. Uh, but you can buy physical copies of the game through a Kickstarter. And then they mentioned, Hey, by the way, check out alchemy's Kickstarter. So I'm assuming this is a few months old because alchemy is going to be the sort of quote unquote official VTT of cyberpunk. So it's not out yet. Cause I was actually, um, I, back that Kickstarter, just full disclosure. And, um, I didn't see it out yet. I was, I thought it'd be fun to give it a shot. I've been looking for a reason to try alchemy just to out sure. of curiosity. So, well, um, it, it seems like it could lend itself to that just because it's so rules light. Like it can, you can yeah. get the rules out of the way and just really go for the immersive. I mean, not that, not that foundry doesn't do that, but that's obviously alchemy's leg up is the whole, right. the whole user interface supposed to be more immersive. Which yes. Kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. So um, just to do a quick recap of the last session, uh, I don't know if you need it, but maybe for the listeners and viewers, uh, it's not that common. We're, we're basically doing the sort of starter intro adventure called Mind the Gap. And the adventure opens with a concussion grenade going off. You were in a monorail car, number 18, and you start getting conflicting information. Your, your operator, you know, the person that sort of runs you, uh, through the mission is in your earpiece and he's saying, Hey, I need you to get to car 22. Mm-hmm. But as you start to do that, you start to, you know, you hear one of the PA voices saying, you know, blah, 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 blah. But part of what it says is it sort of, you know, has this digital noise and then it says, you know, car 12, not 22. And so you basically decide to take a chance on love and follow the <laughs> PA's voice instead of your operator. And you start heading towards 12. So the whole, first session was making your way from car to car you know Mm -hmm. uh and the thing mainly standing in your way are these sort of uh mercenaries from uh, a megacorp called rebco sar which is a sort of a a fixer kind of of uh multinational corporation and they tend to get tied up in nefarious dealings all of this is sort of tied to an ongoing uh, 2300 AD thing that I run. It's a, it takes place in our, our solar system. It's around the year 2300, heavily inspired by GURPS transhumanism. And well, I guess now it's by Mongoose. Uh, when I got into it, the original 2300 game was by GDW. So now it's Mongoose Publishing. Uh, so a lot of the elements borrowed from those mushed together. You're in the city of uh, Libreville, which is in Gambon, which is in uh, Equatorial Africa, which is the home to Earth's only beanstalk to space. And that's what makes this city the largest in the world. And uh, yeah, so you were on this monorail, you're making your way to car 12, you're getting intercepted by different factions of this Rebco presence. And you start to notice weird things happening, uh, glitches, people's faces not matching, people talking weird. You go into one car, leave, but then you're back in the same car and you realize, okay, Mm-hmm. This is a simulation. And you finally get to car 12 and you realize the briefcase that you've been taking to car 12 suddenly comes to life 
it grows legs like a, an arachnid, it clamps onto the wall, and then the whole monorail goes into a plummet. Um, and so that's where we left off. The The monorail was plummeting. You're not sure for how kind long. Kind of forgot it, that little tidbit. I remembered everything up until the plummeting part. <laughs> I guess that's an important... Yeah, fact. yeah. So you're... <laughs> plummeting hell fast to earth um nice and yeah the the briefcase that you were taking with you has sort of grown legs and clamped itself to a wall and uh yeah so that's where we pick it up so because you're plummeting um it's sort of like you're in zero g you're not literally in zero g but you're in free fall so you're floating as everything around you also falls okay at the same rate so uh, there we are. So I, I guess, um, again, we're playing CBRPNK, which is a uh, Blades in the Dark kind of uh, game. So we're basically going to be rolling 3d6 dice pools. Four or five is a success with complication. A six is an outright success. Double sixes is a critical success. One, two, three is a failure. Yeah, and I'm playing uh, I'm playing Dent. Mm -hmm. And if uh, anyone a fan of Rick Remender's wonderful Tokyo Ghost, it's basically that. I'm a big meathead. Uh, I'm addicted to my augmentation, which basically kind of gives me like super strength. But the problem is it's very costly to use. And so I can basically sit through ads to get a get a refill. <laughs> yeah. And I've used my I've I've had to watch a set of ads once in the game. I've kind of mm -hmm. used my built up credits. I don't think I banked any. Um, so, yeah, he's a he's a big, meaty, lovable guy, but he's certainly got his flaws. And he's he's kind of addicted to the junk that they pipe in through his augmented strength. So. Nice. Um, as as we free fall here, and I understand <laughs> that there's probably not a lot of time, but I'm assuming that the spider briefcase thing is is menacing looking. It's not friendly. No, no, it seems like it's sort of got like a that Boston Dynamics, you know, the little dog mm -hmm. robot, but a lot more vicious. So it seems like it's about to go onto the attack. It's it's painted like red and black, not like pastels or anything. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's um it's about to go on to the attack and Okay. So yeah, what would you like to do? Can I as we start to plummet, can I see what we're plummeting towards? It, I I mean, I'm Den is still thinking that this is some type of of simulation. Mhm. Mm but damn do they make these simulations realistic and anything like this is going to hurt like a son of a bitch um, so I'd rather not just just take it but also he's also kind of like shit what other choice do I have right so what you see if you look down basically uh -huh. because you're in car 12 you basically see car 11 you see people panicking also in free fall um, you know scrambling trying to grab onto something people screaming um, basically it's the general oh my god we're all going to die kind of pandemonium in the car below you. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to break some laws of gravity here. I'm going to try to do some cool shit. So stop me at any point if you're like, there's no way. But uh, are any of the... Could I fit through the windows? Like out the side? Yeah, because... Uh, yeah. I, uh, you know, the, uh, at least... I don't know. The trains I ride into the city, they the windows are meant to, designed in an emergency to pop out so you can get out. Oh, nice. Yeah, I live in the Midwest. We don't have infrastructure. So. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, they're all emergency windows. You can you can definitely pop them out. Okay. So Dent like grabs one of the hand railings and he like tries to tries to grab that and swing himself as hard as he can to that window, hoping to break it. If not, then he'll like try to pop the emergency level. And I think he's 
I think he's gonna like bail or try to maybe. Uh, okay. I, I mean, there's eleven other cars landing before us, but I still don't like the odds of <laughs> being car twelve. Yeah. So why don't we do this? Let's. Um, now I don't know if you remember how to do the dice roller. There's two options. Um, you know, on the icons all the way to the bottom, there's the picture of the dice. But at the the one that's the uh, the top icon, the second row, there's something called FD, which is the mm-hmm. uh, something in the dark roller. Um, yeah, Forge in the Dark. Forge roller. in the Dark. Nice. Yeah, so you can click either one. And what I want you to do is, we're gonna do a we're gonna call it aggressive and athletic. So that's gonna create a four dice pool. Nice. And the typical uh threat the the potential damage that can be done i'm just going with the standard two but just remember like if you're like crap i want to make this even more potent of a success you can say so let's up the risk and make that threat a three or a potentially fatal four if you want to give yourself a chance to like super succeed yeah um and i don't think it looks like i've got i've got five left before i overload on pushes i don't think this is necessarily a push okay i mean he's he's jumping out the window but also he's uh he's jumping out the window you know like this is a solution but it's like oh shit here we go again right now just out of curiosity have you ever have you seen like say like apollo 13 or something like that yeah, a long time ago. Okay, so you're not going to be like literally jumping out the window. You're going to be able to just sort of slide out the window because, again, you're all zero-G free-fall. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, sure. so you'll be sort of just on the other side of the window still free-falling. Yeah, yeah, um, right. There's but, still, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, go ahead. Give me that kind of roll and see. Okay, oh. so you got a success with uh, sexy results. So what would you like the consequence to be? Uh uh maybe the like part of the reason of going out the window is to avoid Mm. spider case here maybe the spider case starts scampering towards like its window or something like that maybe it it follows me that makes sense yeah because again it's able to sort of chink 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 Mm -hmm. into the yeah i imagine it's got like it's attached and can pivot yeah relatively easily so yeah let's say it's uh it's on its way it's it's like hot on your tail as you get the window open and start to sort of move out um so yeah so you find yourself i guess you'd find yourself outside the train now um okay. sort of just looking at it <laughs> it's like oh so <laughs> um, well yeah you definitely had that kind of stuff going yeah um and yeah uh so what would you like to do now that you're outside the train Okay, so you know, I, I distinctly remember I, I was in some cars and like I noticed things glitching out and stuff. So yeah, am I getting that? I mean, this seems this probably if I'm in a simulation, this is probably pretty taxing. Maybe so. I'm just like right now. I'm just looking around to assess like are things bugging out or does this seem real and I've made a terrible choice? <laughs> uh, no, the, the it's it's definitely like. Um, I'm trying to think, have you ever like, um, played a video game where you accidentally walk through a wall mm-hmm. that you weren't yep. meant to, and then like mm-hmm. the perspective on things gets really stretchy because the point of view is now suddenly thrown you off. fall through the world or something. Yeah. So you're seeing like a lot of, a lot of glitches. Um, okay. Yeah. So you're definitely more confident than ever that this is a simulation of some kind. I guess I... He just maybe like holds on 
to the car mm-hmm. and just like closes his eyes and just like gets ready for a belly flop that he knows is gonna he, he's gonna feel okay wherever wherever his actual body is he's kind of all in on the simulation got it um cool okay that's so, gonna be it folks what yeah a night. it's been a great adventure <laughs> um and you're dead uh no but as you do that uh the the spider case climbs outside and sort of grabs onto you um with one of its things and it looks like it's getting ready to take a stab with another okay um as he's like in this like peaceful moment of zen hmm. like he knows he's in a simulation but there's no ads blaring in his helmet there's no like he would love another hit of of his augmented strength but he's not like craving it so he's just like and he's gonna try to grab it by the briefcase handle okay that hasn't transformed and he's just gonna try to fling it as far as he can okay with uh, one arm uh yeah, so I would consider that like uh, an aggressive athletics. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Play to your strengths. Yeah. So let's uh, try Hulk Smash. Yeah. Give me another roll. Uh, again, it would be four dice. Ooh. Okay. So uh, zero effect. Actually, I should be. Um. Cool. So. Uh. So yeah. So how do you? Do you want the failure to be that you missed the handle? Do you want it to be something else? What would you like it to be? I think I grabbed the handle, but it's probably I grab the handle and I like hunker down, right? Like grip as hard as I can. <laughs> Cheeks are flapping and I grab <laughs> it and I go and it's like whatever type of contraption this is, this thing is like latched on. So I rip and I yank and I get the leverage, but the handle just goes flying off and then the spider's like right in front of my face now. Got it. Okay. Uh, so let me do something really quickly. Sure. I'm trying to do this here. I want this to be a one of those, but I want it to be one of those. Okay. The package. I gotta say, like, I have not run any Forge in the Dark stuff. This feels like a decent module. Um, this is just blanket. This is just like the the base Forged in the Dark. It's not like Blades in the Dark or anything like that that you're using. Right. I, I, now I'm curious if they actually have a specific blaze in the dark. They might have a dungeon world. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, well, dungeon world is PBTA. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Cause, yes. I'm sorry. No. So this might be it for like blades. Okay. In the dark. This you kind might of have houses to, them all. Yeah. This might be sort of the generic that you. Oh yeah. Blades in the dark. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, okay. So you. Uh, sorry. So describe again. Apologies. Yeah, so the handle, like, I get the leverage and I yank and uh, I get, like, good effect, but the handle just snaps off and it goes, like, skittering. Okay. Clashes off the the, sh- the subway or whatever. Okay. So, uh, with that, let's say that the... Um, I guess this isn't a subway for plummeting to the earth. It's just, like, a... No. Probably like, it was an elevated monorail. There you go. Thanks. Uh, yeah, that ran Thanks, over... Disney. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, let's see. Um... So yeah, let's see how this works. This thing is gonna take a stab at you. Oh, we're do okay. Yeah. Um, now the problem is that with combat, um, I always feel like you're supposed to do all the rolling in systems like this. Uh, okay, so this is considered a skilled adversary. So the runners. Um, roll 
determines how effective. Yes, yeah, so you're supposed to roll. So, um, what do you think you you clearly in combat? Um, mm-hmm. So, how do you want to create a? a uh, how do you want to create your dice pool? I use it from my stats or from what I. Uh, so you can take it from your stats. I'm assuming close combat's going to be the start. Um, oh yeah, for for dent, yeah, aggressive and yeah. in, in close combat. For yeah. Sure. So now you have to decide. Like, remember, one of the things you can do. I mean, you have your augmentations. You can push with stress. You can also sort of make up gear as you yep. go. Yep. Um, and so, I do have a crowbar. Um, well, did you or did you lose it? I think. Oh I, yeah, lost crowbar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you have like, if this is the part where you have the combat knife in your boot, or if you have some other kind of equipment that you want to have uh we can do that um i i'm i'm not quite to that point i have some tricks up my sleeve but uh I okay don't know. dense face worse cool okay uh so yeah give me that uh four die roll and we'll see okay. how you do okay so you got a limited oh man that six was there for a second oh was it um okay so uh, yeah, so you're going to take basically, um, hmm. so again, I apologize to the creators of this game. This is, I've never done combat, so let's see the, uh, I'm trying to see. So there's a section here on consequences, inflicted by enemy actions, bad circumstances, or the outcome of a role. So the threat was two, uh... severity of the complication. So here's the complication. Either, um... Oh, wait, no. This is if the, uh... So that can cause, like, a lasting condition or injury. Uh, the complication, uh, compromised assets. You can get something glitched. Um... Threat escalation. Uh, we can now suddenly make the threats going forward from two to three. Uh... Runners can resist each consequence separately. Um, but the resist is not literally right there. Is it on the character sheet? Resistance armor. Convey how you are resisting to reduce the severity of a consequence or at the GM's discretion. Avoid it entirely. Okay. Then choose a method. You can... It's This is on your character sheet. You can mark and deplete either a special resistance, which I guess is like a one-time use. Yeah, like my... I can... Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, armor can help or uh, roll the appropriate approach, which I guess in your case you would go with, say, aggressive and uh, hope for the best. Um, so the, tr- the trick I'm having right now is determining the consequence. So in, in my mind, this would be harm uh, or a complication that gets you to get something glitched or you lose something. Um, yeah, I see. I see it as harm. Okay. Yeah. So let's go for harm, and then. But the thing is, though, you did succeed. It's just complicated, um, like my Facebook status. <laughs> um. So that's what I'm trying to. How, how might you determine? He. So the 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 robot hits. Yeah. But it's not a clean you know, a hundred percent. So maybe we start by describing maybe 
that complication and from that maybe we can determine yeah so i grab i grab the handle right <laughs> and it goes yeah. it goes clattering off and then like i turn around and back to him and then he just like clocks me but he clocks me in my in my like display helmet so it's not like uh I mean, he punches me in the face, but uh, some of my my helmet here is is eating some of the damage. So like, as soon as I turn around and look at him, like it's it's laser eyes or whatever, it looks like focuses right on me, and then like one of its like back legs like whips up like a scorpion tail, and then it's like right in my face. Okay, so that sounds like you you have then armor. Yeah, yeah, he's yes, he does. So I okay. need to mark that. Yes, yeah, so let's mark that. Um... Oh, that's not extra low though. That's just. I need to take that off there. Okay. So with the armor then, um, yeah, so let's, I don't know if this is the right thing to do, but let's uh, roll the approach aggressive and see what you get on that little chart and see if we can use that to, I guess it could create stress if nothing else. A five. Okay. Uh, so for a five, um, not bad, mark two stress. So you're going to take two stress for that hit. Okay. Um, or unless you wanted to do your special resistance. Uh, you know what? Because you have armor, let's make it one. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully the armor, yeah. And you did complicate the success. So uh, let's just do that. That sounds good, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's right. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'll, I yeah. So do I? I then de- like I check my armor off, right? Unless I'm going like for heavy armor, like I put an X in my armor mm-hmm. um, to show like so like part of the helmet. Oh, maybe like so like it's got this like display visor, right? To to turn on ads whenever one whenever they feel like giving me ads or when I need them, right? And it shatters that. It's like the first time you see like dense eyes for the first time. Nice. Nice. All right. So, uh, what would you like to do in response? Uh, does it appear to have any like vulnerable areas or anything like that? Like Interesting. A soft underbelly or anything? Uh, let's do a uh, burg. Um, analyze. Yeah. But I'm going to say aggressive because you're looking to beat this oh, thing yeah. to the ground, not like, you know, cut the red wire for the green wire. So let's do analyze aggressive. So that'll be a three dice pool. Nice. Um, it does, but um, if you want to say what the complication is, or I can come up with something, up to you. Uh, no, you come up with it this time. Yeah. So let's just say that there is. It, it is like the soft underbelly, so it's going to be tough to get to because it's it's not like easily reachable. You're going to have to sort of like get underneath it or flip it over. You're going to have to do something like put the turtle on its back so to speak. Well, he's going to try to do that for sure. All right. So let's uh, give me that aggressive uh, I assume close combat roll. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want to push? Do you... Uh, oh, okay. I'm oh, sorry. Nope, no problem. Five. Very nice. Okay. So you succeed uh, but what is the complication? Okay, so I get it like it it strikes with one of its back legs like that and I see the opportunity to then like kick out its other legs on that side. So like it raises its back leg which makes it a little unstable and I I take my arm and like sweep under it and then it starts to topple and 
like as we're plummeting, as I go in for like, oh yeah, now I got you now, you little bastard. And I go to get up on top of him. There's like a, a neon sign that like runs right next to the, the streetcar. So I have to like drop to my, or like pull myself back down to the, um, the monorail car or risk like, even though I know it's a simulation, like in the heat of the moment, it's like, oh shit, neon sign. And then right, he right. like pulls himself back down. Okay. Uh, kind of losing the exact moment where he could have dug in deep. Cool. Okay. Uh, so then, yeah, the, um, let's say, give me a, um, give me an athletics aggressive check. Nice. Okay. So you have like an outright success with that six. And so what happens is it's trying to regain some position from getting knocked around and it has sort of you know it was it was sort of it had two clamped into the top of the car and it was using two to try and attack Mm -hmm. one of the two that were clamped came off so it's actually dangling for a minute so I'm going to let you take another shot nice Uh, it's going for the other leg so instead of like going for the soft underbelly like I see that I drop and then I look up at him and I see like maybe it's starting to stabilize and I see the soft underbelly and I go for the kill and then I like see it's got one leg uh, attached. And yeah, I'll, so I'll push this one because okay. I'm already like, why not? I'm already um, pushing it to the max. So I will mark two stress. Two stress, yeah, for an extra to die. To add an extra die for five dice. There we go. Seeing a six. All right, got Very a nice. success. Okay, so... Um, yeah, there's no complication. You sort of get to take your shot. Uh, so what do you do once you sort of... Are, are you grabbing the remaining leg or what? what's... The so thing? I have the leg off and okay. now it's just like... Now it's in my hands. Yeah. And it's kind of like... It, yeah. it. I don't know what the like tech level is, um, but if it's like the, the Boston... Uh, the di- Whatever that robot company is called. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the best. So right. now I'm going to yeet this thing off into uh, existence. And this will just be aggressive athletics again. Yeah. You want to throw it or, into existence or you want to smash it into, like, an oncoming neon sign? Uh, both sound great. So, Which would you like? Um, I'm going to smash it into, like, we're plummeting by things. Mm-hmm. And this is obviously a very long fall. Yeah. Um, there's like a big garbage barge, mm. and so like as and it's within arm reach if I extend it. So as we go by, I'm gonna like yo-yo it out, <laughs> and then just like let it r- the whole distance of the garbage bar- barge. Barge. Mm. All right. Yeah. Give me that. Uh, give me that roll. Let's see. What did? You- okay, you got a five. So yeah. that's gonna be a success. Um, so you do manage to, this thing's going to be destroyed, but what's the, what would you want the complication to be? Uh, like I'm, uh, I'm like grinding it down the barge and it's still like flailing its legs and then it catches and then my arm catches mm. and then, uh, like pops my, pops my arm out of its, its socket, which isn't like, I mean, that's a setback, but, um, right. Yeah. Okay. So let's, um, would that let's see would would you want to call that uh like a level one harm did it that's kind of what i'm thinking like dislocated shoulder okay 
Okay, cool. Uh, I don't know what that those tick boxes next to it mean, but... Uh, <laughs> so, okay, so you dislocated your shoulder, but you did manage to kill this uh, the, the, uh, the spider case or whatever. Yeah. And um, as you do that, you know, you're like, you're... And all of a sudden it just... And it stops. Hmm. Everything comes completely still. And all the people that were inside the cars panicking, they stop. Everything just freezes. And then you see... You're still sort of in this bizarre free fall, even though you're not free falling anymore. Um, you feel like you could just move as you choose to move. It's not like you're floating or there's gravity or whatever. But as you do that, you see the door from car 13 open. Okay. And a woman steps in, sort of actually walking normally. And um, she sort of just looks around for a second. And uh, she sees you outside the train. Yeah, so he's like still in the motion and then like he's starting to realize it and he's like still slowing down and then he like stops swimming through air <laughs> and then he like levels out and stands up mm, mm-hmm. and uh car 13 uh sorry that is that what you say that's the- what he he like says out like kind of like a question like to her uh and she just looks at you for a second and um she sort of gives you a nod and she says, thank you. And it's absolutely a hundred percent clear that the thank you is the same voice as the woman that's been cutting on the PA. And then she goes to the end of the car and opens the door. And now the, the, the rest of the cars are no longer there. Now it's just like this blackness and she sort of spins and turns to you. Mm-hmm. And she again gives you another nod and then she just lets herself go out the door and she falls. Um, and then about two seconds later, everything starts to shimmer and everything that you can see collapses into a singular point, a white point off in the distance. Okay. And, um, and, and when I say everything you can see, that includes like, if you look down, you don't have hands, you don't have feet. Like literally anything you can see has collapsed into this singular point. And then that voice you heard say, thank you. Suddenly you hear saying, Dent, Dent, God damn it. Wake up, Dent. And that white point suddenly races towards you and just fills and everything becomes white. And so after that white, you sort of, you open your eyes and you realize that a concussion grenade has just gone off in the room. <laughs> and there's a there's a man standing over you. There's tubes everywhere. The the flickering fluorescent lights. He's sort of you know doing this and trying to stand up. And you hear in your ear pace, "God damn it, Den, are you awake yet?" Tano, what's he doing? And Tano's like, "Fucking a, he's I couldn't get him up." And then just I think Rebco Sars here. And then you hear the voice in your earpiece going, "You got to get the fuck out of there." So what do you want to do? So he does like a an inventory of mm-hmm. himself. Like, how's his arm feel? His arm's hurting. Something you don't know. Like, if it's, it happens, is it dislocated? Like, is it loose or is it just like hurt like a son of a bitch? It hurts like a son of a bitch. You okay. don't know if it's it's not dislocated, but it's definitely hurt. And it could have been just from the the concussion grenade going off. Okay, 
Um, what about his display visor? Like, is he getting an ad for dick pills right now? Uh, it's asking if you want the ad. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's functional. Yeah. And he like he kind of scoots behind one of the um, like benches to like take a little bit of cover, mm-hmm. and he starts to process in in the face of what was his name Tonto Tano T A N O Yeah Tano. Um, like that's someone he knows. Then I'm assuming someone he does some sort of jobs with. Uh, actually, let's um, I, I leave it up to you. Do you want it to be somebody that you're in, familiar with, or just you're you're completely in the dark? Uh, let's wait and find out. Okay, cool. Tano, Tano. Yeah. But, um, this guy is at least appearing to like look after me or make sure I'm okay. Yes, and you're both in contact with uh the woman's voice from the PA in your earpiece. The woman's voice. Yes. Okay. Not the guy. Uh, the PA voice. Okay. Um, I like f- first off in like sign of a sarcastic, but in, in like very painful, he's like, oh, fucking deja vu. <laughs> Waiting to see if that ignites any kind of like matrix response. And uh, Tano is just like, Look, brother, I can't keep these guys out of here forever. They already got a grenade in here. You need to. We need to get the fuck out of this place right now. Uh, car and, thirteen. Car thirteen. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what was going on in there. Look, I was just keeping an eye on your vitals. My whole place is shot to shit. And I'm gonna have to give it all up. Uh, so I'm not really happy right now. So, and then he starts fumbling around, and you realize he's sort of got shit. like this hatch opening in a back wall. And okay, so like the 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 bench that I just imagined myself scooting towards is not a bench. Like whatever I just like scooted towards. So I was like on like a medical bed or or some some type of bed in yeah. some kind of simulation. And I'm, I guess I'm still feeling the effects. Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah, we got to get out of here. Carthur. Um, who's do I know the voice in in my earpiece? Do I know who that is? Yes, you do, and it's. We could call her the operator. It's it's basically, it's absolutely the person that you thought the guy was in the simulation. It's the person you always work with. Okay. It's the person who is sort of your eyes in the sky. Uh, so he says, like, Oper- are we are we good to get out of here? Am I done? Not even knowing really what he's done, but. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, you're good. Get out of there right now. Okay. Don't let them catch you. So he grabs Tano. Mm-hmm. even though he's not for sure who this guy is. And he starts moving towards that back hatch. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, you know, back hatch is open and, um, and I shut it behind me if I can. Yeah. Let's say you, let's, uh, yeah, let's say you can. Yeah. Okay. And, and as you do, you know, like the door finally gets kicked all the way open and, uh, like a half squad of, uh, Repco star guys, you know, submachine guns out you know they start you know sweeping like they can't have gotten fucking far let's find them you know and they're trying to figure out they start overturning things they're trying to find a closet they haven't though discovered that this sort of hatch uh exists so he just puts a finger up to his lips right and he's just like like quiet okay and whatever whatever locking mechanisms are on this thing which maybe there are, or maybe it's super junk. I don't know. Hmm. Um, he's engaging all of those. And then if there's anything heavy to like prop in front of it, all that stuff, like whatever he think he can do quietly and quickly enough to slow them down, he's doing. And then 
he he kind of points to Tano and he's like, let's go. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that sounds good. So yeah, you start. Uh, so after a minute, like the you know the Repco Star guys, they're like you know they must have gotten you know check the air vents, check you know check the floorboard, see if there's a you know hole in the ground. Let's see where these fuckers went. And um, they start you know and meanwhile they're also like you know make sure you secure the rest of the club. And uh, and so some of them fan out. One person stays behind hmm. and sort of pokes around, but he's not really sure where to look. So if you wanted to, well, what would you like to do? So there's one guy in the room and the others have, have spread out. Yeah. Is this hatch that I assume I can look out of it and hear out of, mm-hmm. um, is it something I could open and get the jump on him? Uh, yeah. So, and just actually, you know, one thing, it, you know, there, the, the hatch, um, it's not just like a, like a little compartment to hide in it. It keeps going. I imagine like a hallway or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, um, but I think that would involve you stealthy. Yeah. My then, stealth is shit. Yeah. So that's why uh, I'll leave it up to you. If you want to think about how you want to do it. He sees the like opportunity and then he's, um, he, he points at Tano. Like, let's go, let's move. Okay, out the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So Tano, Tano's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he's sort of like, uh, he's like, you know, just stay right behind me. And, uh, you know, so it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a low ceiling. So you kind of crouch as you move. Uh, you're a pretty big guy in this game, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm bigger than like humans normally are. Yes. Just, like height and girth and everything. So you might be like bordering on like, like crouch walking or even crawling. Uh, Tano sure. is, is a much smaller person. Um, and you know, he's sort of bent, he's hunched over a little bit and, uh, he's leading you out. And as you know, you, you sort of make your way through this tunnel for a few minutes and you come out, uh, you come out sort of near like a, a sort of like a, a reservoir that doesn't come close to helping Mudville avoid flooding during the rain season. But so right now it's sort of, um, you know, there's some water flowing through it, but it's sort of like a, uh, uh, it comes out near this reservoir and you find yourself outside in Mudville. Mm-hmm. Um, and say, let's say you're about like a hundred feet, uh, like, like across the street, so to speak from, you know, when you turn around, you see Tano's cyber cafe and, um, and you know, you, hear screams coming from inside maybe you hear shots being fired and you see like the b- 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 the blink of light through like one of the partially closed windows and Tano's kind of just looking at it like everything that's everything like that's, that's let it go everything. brother we gotta move and he he's and he's sort of fixed in place uh, he's, I pick him up alright uh, and yeah so you, you you make your way and um and suddenly, you know, the operator's voice comes in. He's like, you know, Dent, are you out of the building? Yeah, we're out. We're moving. We're out. Uh, is Tano still alive? Uh, I've got Tano. Okay, because we owe him everything for this job. Um, he just saved our, He just saved your life. Well, actually, he goes, she goes, is Tano <laughs> still alive? She goes, he lifts it. He, like, pulls the head back. Like, are you Tano? <laughs> yeah, he's still with us. Yeah, all right. Uh, he's like, okay, I need you to get him to safety. All right, give me an direction. Um, all right, she starts like. Blah, 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 blah. Yep. Okay, so what we what we've got nearby, we've got um, you know, you could disappear deep into 
to to Mudville. Uh, you know, you're at the reservoir. If you could find some way to, you know, because you might remember the listeners wouldn't know this at all unless they've for some reason are crossover. But you know, like Libreville is around like a a big inlet of water. So this reservoir goes to the water. The water could you could follow the coastline to different mm. parts of the city. Uh, and then she's like, but you know, you're also like three blocks from the monorail. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll be seven on foot on that anytime <laughs> soon. Are any boats around? Um, let's uh, give me a streetwise. Uh, what what would you like to roll to see if there's? Yeah, uh, streetwise. Uh, glasses are filthy. Uh, maybe analyze and smart. Okay. So two dice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Four. Okay. Um, you see something that could work. Okay. Um, Uh, but what's the complication? Is it out of fuel? Is it a little leaky? Is it uh, a rowboat and it's going to take all night? It's a good question. Um, Yeah, I, um, yeah, I think it's got to have some kind of, let's imagine like a paddle boat, (laughs) (laughs) not even a rowboat. Um, God damn it, Tan, it's going to take two of us to paddle (laughs) if we want to get there. Yeah, yeah, it's a fucking, (laughs) it's one of those like swan paddle boats, like, like there's a whole uh, like gondola. For like for renting one of these swan paddle boats, <laughs> and uh, he he sets Tano down. He's like, "Look, I don't like this, but something's telling me that the monorail isn't going to be safe tonight." What are your thoughts? And uh, let's say that Tano's like borderline catatonic's too strong a word, but he's he's in shock. Oh, great. So I'm doing all the pedaling. Uh, yeah, he, he's not super helpful. And, and as you're doing this, you realize that there are sort of like uh, airships coming in, sort of like spotlights coming to help with the search. What time of day is it? Uh, it's uh, middle of the night from what you can tell. No one else is out paddle boating. Uh, no, no. Well, we're hoofing it. I'm not getting on that monorail. The question is, am I hoofing it along the coast? How much cover is along the coast into like open waterways where I could find actual watercraft, hopefully? Uh, let's say like there's, you know, um, some marshlands, some of those like giant like cattail kind of things. Uh, but it's going to make it tough to. It might be very easy to misstep into deeper because you can't really see and like the the actual edge of the coast is covered by this plant life so you're not 100 percent sure is it u.s marshals where they have the swamp scene uh i have never seen that one um, okay that's the sequel to uh the fugitive right yes it is yeah i haven't seen that one so what what happens in that scene I, I just kind of remember there's something I've seen with a swamp, right? And mm. so I'm just I'm just met like I'm gonna have the whole swamp breathe thing where like we hide oh. underwater and I'm breathing and stuff. I, I don't actually know if that happens in U.S. Marshals or the Fugitive either one, but uh, it's certainly a trope. Um, so the other option is hoof it through the city. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we're going we're going marshlands. 
you know, ducking it in as much cover, <laughs> even though stealth is not Dent's strong suit. Um, he also sticks out like a sore thumb around most other people with just his size. <laughs> All right. And um, the operator's like, you know, Dent, what are you doing? Uh, we're going to shoot for, looks like we're getting wet. What are your <laughs> thoughts? And she's like, you know, I, look, I'm not on the ground. I, I can't tell you exactly what to do. I get out of there however you can. Uh, They've got gunships already. I just, I like our odds. All right. Uh, so, like, Tano is not, like I said, he's not, like, cool under fire here. Um, let's do some kind of role that's going to, the approach is going to be empathic, and then how you go from there, I'll leave up to you. Uh, and I'm just trying to, like, get him to get moving? or uh, To get him to, like, hey, I need you to go into water and breathe through a tube. Um, oh, yeah. While you're panicking. I need you to sort of get him on board. Okay. Um, and analyze, maybe? Um, just for analyzing him and what's going to work to get him to do what he needs to do. Sure, yeah. So, two di- oh, baby. Woo, okay, so... Look, he like sets him down mm-hmm. and he talks to him. I don't know. Tano didn't have a father figure. And Dent says, Look, son. And like, if you want to get out of li- out of this alive, you need to trust me and you need to listen to me. We'll do this together. I won't leave you behind. And uh, Tano's like, Dad? <laughs> uh, no. And so, but he does, he does like, he is reassuring. And as much as like Dent likes to be a sarcas- sarcastic, asshole mm-hmm. um he's not about to get killed over this guy he doesn't mean shit about it if it comes between him and and tano uh that doesn't really matter but he's not about to tell this guy that right right makes sense okay cool so yeah the the, the plan basically works you sort of take cover you maybe go underwater when you need you use the reed to breathe all the cool shit and it's just then a a, a waiting game um why don't you give me a 1d6 roll Okay. Okay. Uh, so it, it's it's a long wait. It's about five hours. So when you start to get the the, the gut feeling that the coast is clear, uh, the sun's you know starting to to break over the city of Libreville, and um, you know you can because you've sort of had your ear you know you know, at the ready, you know, eventually like the, the, you know, the hover APCs or whatever, they take off, you know, and, uh, the, the coast is essentially clear. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I'll just like double check with op, like any, like, is she picking up anything on scanners or anything? Yeah. So she's like, no, no, they, um, you know, they're not done looking, but you know, they've given up basically on uh Tano cyber cafe. They, they don't think you're there and they've started to, spread the search out a little bit further. Okay. And uh, so she's like, I got to say, you know, Dent, while you're inside there, I, you know, was having some, a lot of inform- in- interference. What was going on? I would love to tell you, but <laughs> I was on a monorail. I don't even know what we were doing. How about we start there? And she's like, well, um, first I got to say, like, mission accomplished. Good job. Um you know, as always, you were the uh, <laughs> you were the wrecking ball to uh, my scalpel. Um, 
you managed to get through the firewall, uh, and uh, I was able to get in and uh, plant the the spyware on Rebkosar's servers perfectly. Uh, you know, they definitely detected your breach attempts, but they seemed to be unaware of the uh, cyberware package delivery. So, well, sometimes you just gotta crash into it like a freight train. <laughs> She's like, "Well, that's why we hire you. <laughs> Nobody gets through a firewall like you do, Dent." No um, one can, baby. <laughs> that's right. So um, so she's like, yeah, I think uh, the Elevation Corporation is going to be really pleased with uh, how this went. And I think, you know, if you can make your way back, um, we're going to be handsomely paid. Love to hear it. And he just picks Tano up again. <laughs> Shoulders like a rag doll. Yeah. And then and then they go back to the, the gondola with all the duck boats. And maybe it's like early morning now, and so maybe there are like some people out. And he starts like pedaling with this, with this <laughs> grown man like over his shoulder, and this oversized guy and this giant swan as they just pedal out to the reservoir. He's like, "Find me a boat once once I get out to whatever the um nice the the like bigger body of water is." Cool. So yeah, so let's um you know for all intents and purposes, let's have you paddle boating into the sunrise. Um, with Tano still confused sort of half in the boat half (laughs) over your shoulder and uh, let's fade to black nice there you go that is Mind the Gap cyberpunk Uh, yeah you know it's interesting the adventure sort of states like yeah you know you know once you're through the the simulation like it's up to you like you know think about like do you want to take how they did and spin it into something in the real world sure uh, and yeah i, like, I mean yeah, there's a million things you, that simulation could be a lot of different things yeah. i like that it was you know hacking into repco sar which is um like you said is crossover with some other games we play repco sar is a, a big presence so that's cool yeah they're sort of like uh the de facto for for me and for Matt's the de facto bad guy um uh-huh. so i don't know if that came through at some point but that's they're they're sort of the stand-in for your general evil corp bad guy so so I know we talked about, and, and if you have more closing thoughts, let's do those first. But one thing we may want to consider, and I know we talked about it in Damn Fine Coffee, Coffee is now that we're like done, and we only did a, two sessions of this, right. uh, kind of just more thoughts on the game or anything like that. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to wrap up from the adventure? Uh, no, I, I, I will say like I, I think um, what I like about this as an introduction adventure is a couple things. Um, I've never, as much as I love cyberpunk, I've never run cyberpunk where it involved like the hack, the run, you know, the job, the job. Right. Yeah. So like when you and I were playing in our sci-fi stuff that where Rebco Sarl comes from, there was a cyberpunk vibe to the setting, but we didn't do the hack. So what I really liked about this starting adventure is it provided that matrixy feel to to the run so you could get an idea of like hey like think weird think you know and, and it's stuff like you maybe you've seen in other sources like you know like in the matrix like neo loses his mouth you know in the back of the like you know there's like trippy stuff that makes you realize mm-hmm. what's going on or like everybody freezes and it's the girl in the red dress and you know but i i really appreciated that it sort of puts some ideas out there in a very simple scenario get from 18 to 12 or get from 18 to 22 and and it made it simple but trippy enough for me to 
get a handle on on how to run this kind of thing. I will say the more I the more time I was saying this at the beginning of the first session, I, I was a little confused about how to do it. And the more comfortable I got with it, the more I could see doing longer term things with it. There's a little bit more meat to it than I think I appreciated mm -hmm. at first. Uh, so I also like that. Yeah, there's a couple of things I would iron out, the harm and, and stuff like that. And what does it mean to like spend armor and, and just like this is rules light, right? It's it's a uh, you know a one page pamphlet front and back um, for for the player and a, a couple more pages for the GM. Um, but that I mean that's true of any rules light thing. Mm -hmm. I think my only like thing I didn't like before I talk about all the stuff I did like is maybe just the forged in the dark system. And and I talked about this on damn fine coffee, right? The, the whole like pinwheel of progressing and having this like this is your progress and like okay i did this like cool thing like i role played doing this and i beat the crap out of this guy but i only have like four of the six you know i like at some yeah. point when i'm when i'm playing a game if that's your, if that's your mechanism i think as a gm you have to like maybe hand wave the last two like right, I can see that. let your let your players take the win early instead of being like stuck to this is a six piece pie that you have to fill all six pieces like right. oh man on piece five you just did the coolest thing like all right but now what happens and do one more test and then have bad consequences when you've already won um so if i were to like and i've talked about like brinkwood i really want to do something with brinkwood that's that's the vampire one where like the masks give you different powers it, mm -hmm. it looks pretty sweet if that's present in that i would be way more willing to like hand wave like all right the players have this one we don't need to push for those last couple successes Right. Yes. So for me, the trick is, and I don't want to put the weight of this on the system because I'm completely. Oh yeah, and that's a, that's it. Forge in the Dark thing. I should clarify that is not a cyberpunk thing. That's we've seen that in other Forge in the Dark stuff that it, that we've played. Right. So what I think I wasn't taking advantage of was, well, I mean, you were spending stress, mm -hmm. and had you hit two more stress, things would have started to happen. I don't think I was coming up with consequences. Basically, whenever something didn't go perfectly right, there's an option to sort of dampen those consequences by doing certain things like glitching something or, mm -hmm. you know, there's certain things you can spend to make something else go better or increasing the threat to increase the effectiveness. And so I feel like there's a lot of like of the levers I wasn't pulling because I'm I unfamiliar. Yeah. And I wasn't either because some of that's mm -hmm. on the player too, like increasing the threat for a bigger um, effect, like right? All that stuff's there, and and I wasn't pulling those levers, either. right? Because some of that is just clarity on on exactly how that works mechanically, right? Um, right. Um, the the one thing that I find interesting, and I'm curious, so like Blades in the Dark, you know, it seems I've never played it. This is a gross oversimplification, but it seems like that sort of ticking time bomb wheel is its sort of main thrust. Um, okay, I haven't, I haven't played that either, but if, if, if I am assuming that that mechanic is in there and important just based off the other stuff we've read and played. Right, right. So it like, it, it could be completely wrong. So it could be completely wrong, but in my head from what I've skimmed and looked at and read, and I, I feel like trackers are a core part of the experience. I think so too. And so when you take a system like Savage Worlds, 
Savage Worlds, you know, because it's a hodgepodge of like whatever you want it to be, you know, it has a system for those kinds of trackers, but it also has whatever else you want. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be curious to try like a, cause I've always heard such great things about blades in the dark. Yep. Or I'd be really curious to see how it all works when assuming this assumption is right. The, the main thrust is the countdown, the tracker, the, you know, that kind of pressure and what it means. Um, I'd be curious, you know, cause my only experience with that kind of thing is either this or when I've sort of cobbled it into other systems that use, uh, Mithras M space, they cobbled it on all these sort of generic systems say, Oh, you want that? Okay. I'll find a system and tack it on. Sure. So, well, I mean, I mean, it, I would certainly play it because I would like mm -hmm. to just see it more. Um, it, it can be, and it, it was even demoralizing for the GM in Long Dark Space Between the Stars. It just got to a point, like, if I see your pie wheel come up in the stream, I don't pretend to, like, player Matt saw it, but Dent doesn't see it, obviously, right? It's still demoralizing, like, oh, man, I still have three more check marks to go before, like, right. this problem is addressed. Right. Um that's not the best, but I think there's easy ways to go around that. And that didn't even feel good as, as the GM. What's cool about, and going back to like the cyberpunk thing, I know that like shadow run is lends itself to running jobs and then playing in this, in this bigger world. What's cool about or appealing to me about blades in the dark is that it is very job based. Like every session is doing the job and then role playing the consequences of that. And you're managing you know, different relationships with other factions and, and you have rivalries and, and all that stuff. And so whether that job is medieval Europe pulling a heist or, or cyberpunk, yeah, I, I think that's that's cool too. I've only done a couple things where it's like job-based, like your session is going to be doing this hack. Your session is going to be robbing this bank, whatever that is. And it's always gone well. Right. And so throwing it in a cool cyberpunk setting, that's certainly appealing to me as well. I just, I don't know. I've dabbled. Right. Like I've read a little bit here and I have some old Shadowrun stuff and I have some new Shadowrun stuff and I have Cyberpunk Red and all that stuff, but I haven't gone shuttlecock deep in, in anything yet. So, <laughs> right. And so, and that's sort of, I keep banging. I apologize. Um, what I've heard superficially about games like Shadowrun and Cyberpunk, and I think we were chatting about this earlier, is, and this might, again, might not be true. This is just things I've heard in the wind. They don't always balance the run versus the uh, non-run parts of the game when they start to happen simultaneously. And what I really like about this idea, and I guess could be really great about Blaze in the Dark, is this doesn't pretend to strike that balance. It's like, we're going to make this run awesome. And, you know, because isn't that why a lot of cyberpunk is played is because you like that idea of, dipping into cyberspace and doing the hacking. And, um, and so, and I think this is a, I, I genuinely enjoyed that aspect. This seemed to do that part of blades in the dark justice where it's like, it's about the job. It's the run. Yeah. And, um, and, yeah. but you still get role playing in that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's, it's a different version of a dungeon crawl, mm -hmm. but depending on how that's structured, that still offers role play because like, I like, heavy role play sessions mm -hmm. where even if we're going room to room 
which which is tough, you know, with Pathfinder, we're entering a dungeon, right? We're going to be going room to yeah. room. And, and uh, even though I want this, and uh, but then I'm GMing something that's just not going to have a lot of opportunity for the next session until we get out of where we're at. Right. Uh, I mean, it may come up, but what's what's cool here is there's still, I think, even with one-on-one, there was still role-play opportunity um, presented, yes. even though it's just a, another, it's a dungeon crawl wearing a different hat, right? Right, right. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you think that's a testament to the setting or do you think it's the system? Like does the cyberpunk sort of lend it to, okay. I mean, I think cyberpunk lends it to it because your dungeon is not an actual dungeon. It's a monorail. It's a skyscraper. It's, uh, I mean, and I'm sure we could come up with a, with a scenario where we're doing a job and there's no, it's all very technical, right? And mm-hmm. you're not interacting with other characters and stuff other than the other players. Right. Uh, so some of that's just on the players, on the players and how they're going to interact with each other. If you want to get that role playing out of it, what's great about a rules light system like this is because it's so open. Then I think that then opens up the system isn't getting in the way of wanting to do the role play you want to do. Right, right. Which can be an upside of these. Yeah, I, I will say. Um the system not getting in the way this is one of the strongest uh, examples i've of that that i've like i've never played pbta so i don't know if that's a system that gets out of the way but i feel like this was just like and it was sort of like what we were talking about damn fine coffee is like you know how much game do you really need to be codified right and can you just be like you know fuck it just give me i don't know give me two from there two from there if you get a four five six you're fine you know like you know, and because it's really about like what you're going to tell me after that fact. Um, but and there was, oh, you sorry, know, there's an element. No, the, well, uh, just to follow on that, there's an element of that here with, and it didn't come up because we're playing this scenario where I didn't have to do planning. But mm-hmm. from what I've heard with Shadowrun, is like you do a lot of prep work, I think. Right. Maybe you don't. Again, haven't played. I've just listened to other podcasts talk about it. So some of your gameplay is prep for a job, and mm-hmm. that can take all night. Right, um, here, right. what's really cool, and, and players may love that, you can forego all the prep and planning, and you do this flashback action. Yes. And that flashback action allows you to then role play in that that planning, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's just saying like, oh, we brought the whatever along to to get past the this laser wall or whatever you know or you know that could you could really you could take us there's nothing in the system that says don't role play that planning session what it says is use this action to do a flashback to incorporate that planning don't spend an hour and a half when you start thinking of everything you're going to need which is really cool because yeah if i'm like okay you're gonna go do a cyber hack into repco sar well, I'm not bringing my crowbar, you know, right. but then like I need my crowbar when I'm in this simulation. So, yeah, no, I, I really, I really like that point because I feel like that's, I mean, that's maybe that's the actual heart of the blades in the dark forge in the dark system is that it's all about being a heist game that you don't plan. Yeah. Um, and it lets you yeah. develop the planning. So it all feels like it comes together in a cool way. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's, you know, that's, you know, really something, you know, um, and that's something that other systems, again, Savage Worlds, you can throw a Benny for a flashback and that's basically yep. stealing, um, that. And we've done that. I mean, we've mm-hmm. done that in our, in your Savage Worlds game. We've used that explicitly for that reason, throw a Benny to say, 
this is how we came prepared, which is great. I mean, it's, you can get so bogged down in that stuff. Like, Oh man, right. we're going into a skyscraper. Like, Oh, we need to make, Oh, but someone's got to think of the alarm system. And you know, it's just right. like, where do you stop planning? And so it just mm-hmm. lets you get into action. I'm right. not saying I wouldn't like a planning session, but yeah, that could be interesting. But I, but what I like about these tools with cyberpunk forge in the dark is that the, the trick is, you know, like if you're planning something, are you setting up the GM does have to say no at some point because you Mm -hmm. didn't plan. And here it's just like, don't worry about it. You know, when the time comes, I'm going to be able to say yes. And the system codifies how to do that. um, If that makes sense. Yeah. And then like you spend, and I, I think the first, in our first session, I, uh, I did uh, take a breather to Mm -hmm. recoup Mm -hmm. some of my stress. Oh, that's true. Uh, and yes. how it works mechanically here is you t- you take on stress to do a flashback, and if you want to get really like carried away with your flashback for planning, you have to take on two two stress. Right. And so there's there's a resource cost to it, but I don't know. I, I like I like the idea of it. I know we didn't use it. It also sounds a whole heck of a lot of me that we have some some more forged in the dark in our yes, and I think there's a couple different um, there's a couple yeah. different. Blades in the Dark is mm-hmm. the OG, and that's that's your like a band of thieves, right? Right. There's Blades of, there's the medieval Grim Dark. Yes, yes, and that's the one I was trying to think of. And then there's a sci-fi one. I thought. I think there's also a more robust cyberpunk one as well. There might be. Wait, um, is Scum and Villainy Forged in the Dark, or is that? Yeah, that's. Um, yeah, that's. No, I think Scum and Villainy is Forged in the Dark. Maybe that's the Forged in the Dark sci-fi one I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, whatever that um, Grimdark one is the other one that I've heard of as well. And I say that Band as Band of like, Blades. Band of Blades, Band of yes, Blades, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Scum and Villainy is the the spaceship crew one. Yeah. So and then there's uh, there's Girl by Moonlight, which actually hmm. like not like Magical Girls anime is not my my cup of tea, but like I'd try it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? Right. Um, and Brinkwood, Brinkwood, um, right. that also looks, um, yeah, that one looks pretty sweet, I think. And and I've read through this one, and it's, uh, you're trying to take down, like, a oppressive band or a uh, faction of vampires. Right, this is a vampire one. Yes, yes, yep, yes. Yep. But, yeah, I agree. Like, um, I, I think part of our bias, at least from when we've talked on the side, like, we tend towards slightly heavier systems. But I will say, like, this was, for me personally, overall, that whole month of, like, one-shots, but specifically yours and this one that were both based on the same core, it was a really great sort of eye-opener to, like, hey, you know, like, you know, you should be trying this system more, and there's a reason why so many people like it, and it's worth taking a dive into. I, I really ended up enjoying both The Long Dark and Cyberpunk. And so now we just got to pick... Do, do we want sci-fi or do we want um, <laughs> man? Uh, uh, I don't know if this is better on a, like a damn fine coffee thing, but like, do you have? Uh, do you go one way or the other if you had to choose sci-fi versus fantasy? I'd probably lean towards blades or. Gosh, I I keep pulling it up. And I keep forgetting the name of. Um, uh, band blades of, or band of blades. Yeah, the, either one of those. I'm not opposed to scum and villainy. I just mm-hmm. feel like a lot of my role playing has been in space. Recently, maybe, it feels that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Alien went for was so amazing and went for you know like a year and a half or whatever. So that was, but 
if you're like, hey, I'm doing scum and villainy, then I'm all in. And you know, there's there's others that aren't listed on their website. Like that's where I know there's another more in depth shadow, um, not not just cyberpunk, but Shadowrun. So it's got the okay. fantasy elements tied into the cyberpunk setting, which I'm not opposed to. I don't mind the peanut butter and my chocolate. Right. Um, so there's even there's more stuff out there. Is my point. I'd be curious. Not that, you know, this, I would probably for this, I'd probably lean towards the medieval as well, more than sci-fi because we've done a lot of sci-fi on the side. The one thing I'm curious about scum and villainy, and I guess I could pull it off my shelf and read it, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Um, is some of the best parts of your alien campaign was in transit, the bullshit that happened in the downtime. Mm-hmm. And my vibe with the Blades in the Dark system is that it's meant to, well, maybe not. I, in my head, it's eliminating some of the downtime because it's downplaying the planning, but that might not be. The, I think you still have downtime. Yeah. I, from my understanding, I think I just think you cut out the like, we need to bring this. Right. We need to bring this because of this. I think you're still doing stuff outside of the job in different capacities. I don't know exactly what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And who's to say you did like. You just do it anyways, then, because I agree. The travel times, even in M space, right? Um, we've done some crazy wild shit and made up a party bus hmm. and uh, did a like slingshot maneuver under a giant cargo freighter, and it was brilliant. Like the, that's right. the best stuff is just when you're you're just flying through space, and what does your crew cause? Like, how do they inflict their own harm? Shoot himself right. in the foot. <laughs> right, um, right, all that right. stuff's great. Yeah, yeah. But um, who's to say? You know, that can happen in space. That can happen in a barroom. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's not, yeah. Um, so yeah. So I guess with that, this was a really good time. I'm glad we finally got to wrap this up. I appreciate you jumping in for this. Yeah. So like, what do you think? Well, like, uh, if we had some kind of bullshit rating system, like, um, uh, like how many slice slice cherry of pie? pie or, yeah. and then like, what would be the like downer side of it from, from Twin Peaks? Um, uh, fish in the percolator. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. You nailed it. Is this uh is this fish in a percolator or uh uh a damn good slice of cherry pie? For me, this is a damn good slice of cherry pie. I really like yeah. the introduction mm-hmm. it gave me to this general system that I had no concept of. I felt like even though I had trouble grasping it, it's because I was completely new. Yeah. But I feel like with a little experience, this could run pretty easily. And I think you were saying this at one point. If 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 we had Patrick here to offer a second set of skills, I felt like it could have been interesting, like the different ways you could have approached uh, the the simulation. Um, yeah. It could have gotten a little weird. Cause like you were saying, you know, because you're built like a hammer, everything's going to be a nail. Um, but if Patrick had stealth and empathy or, you know, who knows what, like he could have maybe tricked out the simulation in different ways or who knows. Yeah. Um, so I, I, for I me, yeah. Also- that also allows me to take like edges like so edges mm-hmm. like you're foregoing a stat in analyze to pick up some kind of edge in athletics or something right. like that. And I was a little reluctant to do that just because it's one on one. But you're right. There's even there's more to this, this little two page pamphlet than than what we explored. So, yeah, this is a this is a damn fine slice of cherry pie for me as well. Nice. And even if even if and it's true of any rules like thing, if there's some ambiguity, the great thing about these is. You don't have to go flipping through 150 page rules to find right. rules. You just you're flexible. All right, what does that harm actually look like? How, what does that do to your armor? What are the implications? And you just come up with it at the table with your players, right? 
And that's great stuff. Because, yeah, because it's so loose, it doesn't matter. You just find the the column it'll fit sort of in, and that's all you need. Um, yep. You don't need to know, like, well, wait, did it hit his arm? Did it hit it from above? Did it hit it from 150 meters? All right. Was exactly. he behind cover? You know, it's just like, yeah. And, um, yeah, and, and this for me was obviously slice of pie. Definitely the sum was greater than the whole of its parts as I started to see, oh, mm-hmm. th- like what you were just saying, oh, I could have taken an edge if Patrick – you know, because you had to be a jack of all trades and, you know, a little bit. So, yeah, there's a lot here that I, I think doesn't make itself cl- obviously clear when you just sort of look at it the first time cold. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for running it and great job. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I would even, like, I'm, uh, I don't, I think I said with Long Dark Space Between the Stars, like, it did its thing, right? Right. It has this message of what are you giving up? in exchange of accomplishing this goal. And I think that's cool. I don't need to go back to that for like a, a good amount of time. Like maybe in three years, someone's like, Hey, let's do long dark space between the stars and see what happens. Right. Great. Like I'm not, I'm certainly not opposed to going back to this. This has a good amount. This is replayable and it's yes. got meat on it to do a little like, Oh, you can like string together a few jobs. I mean, I wouldn't spend like five years in this. No, um, no, but, but I would definitely, for me, keep this in my back pocket. If we like, you know what, we got to fill two nights this month. I'd be yeah, like, you know what, actually, in your back pocket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally. Like yeah, a piece of paper you <laughs> folded up twelve times, and, <laughs> and that's impossible. You can't fold some twelve times. Uh, there is some number you can't do it, right? Is it? Uh, I, th- I think twelve is up there. I, okay, I think a dozen folds is impossible. Pretty, pretty high. Okay, but yeah. All right, from, and now, folks, to wrap right. up, I'm going to take this piece of paper and we're going to see if I can <laughs> fold it twelve times. Um, drink, drink. <laughs> uh, yeah. So for me, I, I would definitely, this is one I would, cause like you said, there's a little bit more meat and, um, yeah. So does that sort of cover it? Yeah, I think so. Awesome right. job. Well, yeah. Thank you very much, Matt, for jumping in. And, um, again, thank you everybody who checked this out for all the people that are listening. Uh, if you like this, you know, like subscribe, leave comments, thumbs, whatever. Um, there's a bell on YouTube. I don't know what that does, but click that thing. Um, <laughs> sure, just click it all. Just click, just click shit. <laughs> um, and you know, again, if, if you prefer audio versions of this and a lot of the things we do, uh, just search for black lodge trivia night, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, We've got currently going on Pathfinder Menace Under Otari. That's Matt's mm-hmm. game. We've got uh, Call of Cthulhu Modern Scritch Scratch. Patrick's running that. And I think because this month has five Thursdays in it, we're going to have a damn fine coffee at some point, hopefully uh, another podcast. Yeah, I think month. we have two things Two things for sure in the books. I'm out next week for Historic Fest, um, right. which by the time you hear this will be live probably. Hopefully, uh, yeah. The week after that, we'll be back at Pathfinder. I'll be out then. that week, the 24th. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll um, have we'll not have Pathfinder again this month, but we will have damn fine coffee. Yeah, I'll be a week late to Historic Fest. Um, oh, thank you. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll show up. It's like where the fuck's everybody? Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, yeah. So thank you everyone who watched or listened. And again, Matt, thank you as well. And um, yeah, thank you. We'll uh, talk to you guys soon. Awesome. Take care. music during the RPG session in Foundry was provided by the Foundry module Tabletop RPG Music and composed by Ian Fisher. You can find his Patreon at www.patreon.com slash tabletoprpgmusic, all one word.